0: Welcome to Explore, Teach, Conserve, or the ETC podcast by the University of Minnesota Extension, where we talk with people about exploring, making discoveries, and solving problems to better manage our natural resources, and we share ideas to help you learn more and get involved. This is an older episode from when we used a different title, The Naturalist, but the conversation and ideas are still fresh. If you enjoy it, we hope you'll subscribe and listen to more episodes of Explore, Teach, Conserve, or the ETC. Hi everyone, welcome to the Naturalist Podcast by the University of Minnesota Extension. I'm Nate Meyer, your host today, and we're going to be talking with Kevin Erman solberg and Kate Derrickson from the University of Minnesota's Department of Geography, Environment, and Society about their work to make visible and work with urban communities to address root causes of environment and equity challenges. I'm excited to share that this episode is part one of two podcast episodes covering my conversation with Kevin and Kate. In this episode, we'll talk with Kevin about the Mapping Prejudice Project. We'll also share some ideas about where you can learn more and get involved with that project. Then, we'll share the conversation with Kate in a few weeks. By the way, I also hope you'll stay tuned to the end of the episode for a quick announcement about our Minnesota Master Naturalist annual giving event. So let's dig into the conversation. First, I asked Kevin and Kate to talk about their backgrounds and roles with the University of Minnesota's Department of Geography, Environment, and Society. Here's Kevin talking about his role as a geographer.
1: Yeah, so my kind of connection to uh, the geography department at the University of Minnesota, I got my master's uh, in geographic information science, which is one of the programs under the GES uh, umbrella, and I've worked with uh, Kate Derrickson as well. My work and more specifically the work I do with mapping prejudice is really located at these intersection of race equity homeownership and the built environment right and it's kind of this constellation um, of things that are inherently spatial right like these relationships has to do uh, with the built environment and the way that ideas and ideologies and discourses materialize and actualize in place. You know, these aren't things like racism constructed in a way that just sort of floats in the ether. You know, I mean, this is acted out and actualized um, in these particular material ways that are that have connections to each other. And I think, um, you know, the Geography Environment Society Department specifically, um, you know, does a really good job of thinking through that in that. Particular, in that particular way.
0: In a recent article in the journal Science, Christopher Schell and colleagues described many and varied relationships between systemic racism and ecology in urban environments that interact to exacerbate social inequity, prejudice, and environmental challenges. Kevin described how the Mapping Prejudice Project is helping communities and the university see some of these important relationships by making visible where some property agreements included racial covenants that limited non-white ownership and therefore impacted where people live and they're built in natural environments.
1: Um, so it might be useful to just offer some background on kind of the impetus of the Mapping Prejudice Project and also um Mapping Prejudice, although we have connections to the geography department, we are located um, under the umbrella of the University of Minnesota Library System. So we are technically a, a library's, uh, libraries project, although we have close relationships with geography as well as several other departments um, on campus. And to kind of get to your your, your initial question, uh, you know, Mapping Prejudice was formed by myself, uh, Kirsten Delagarde, and Penny Peterson about four years ago now with questions about how Minneapolis, despite its overall high standard of living by most kind of, you know, metrics that you can come up with. Minneapolis is a, you know, quote unquote, good place to live. And despite its very liberal reputation, um, it has some of the worst racial disparities of any metropolitan area in the country. And these are particularly acute in the realm of housing, where uh, Minneapolis has the largest gap between Black and white homeownership rates of the 100 largest metro areas um, in the United States. And um, Kirsten is a, you know, trained historian, and uh, she wanted to look backwards to try to understand how these incredibly acute uh, disparities have materialized through time. Uh, And this led us to uh, this particular mechanism called the racial covenant. Um, and just kind of a real quick definition of what racial covenants are. Uh, these are clauses entered into property records, uh, they were legal and federally until 1968, that prohibited uh, anybody who wasn't white from owning or occupying that particular property. And there has been a fair amount of research into racial covenants, but from a more of like a data analytical perspective, no one's ever identified and mapped all the covenants for a given urban area, and this has to do with the kind of the mechanism at work. A covenant its a couple lines of text in a property record, and for any urban area of significant size, you're talking about millions and millions and millions of pages of these. So Mapping Prejudice came up with a methodology that combines optical character recognition, um, GIS tools and technologies, and uh, crowdsourcing to kind of get at this question, to try to build this robust spatial data set. And on one hand, we're kind of a data project, right? Like we're finding these covenants, we're mapping them. uh, This produces this data set that can, you know, resource all different kinds of public policy sphere to additional kind of lines of academic inquiry, right? But the other thing about what we're doing is that this is all being produced in cooperation with community. And we have thousands and thousands of volunteers that have helped with this work. We've given hundreds of presentations to local community organizations over the last four years. And uh, we're very much kind of intentionally trying to occupy this space of produce co-producing this shared collaborative community resource. Um, and we also believe that the act of performing this research, which involves like reading these deeds, has transformative power in and of itself. We've had many, many volunteers say that reading the language in these documents um, you know, made structural racism more real to them. So we're kind of at this two-pronged approach where we want to produce this data to enable additional scholarship while at the same time, to change kind of popular collective narratives around race, privilege, whiteness um, in the context of our uh, particular urban geography.
0: I asked Kevin why working on Mapping Prejudice is exciting. He described the value of the information for affected people and communities, as well as the growth and awareness about how our history of racist language and property agreements is influencing the current urban landscape.
1: I think the most kind of exciting part for me has been seeing the resonance that this work has in a lot of communities that normally have little to no relationship uh, with the University of Minnesota or the kind of research that kind of takes place at the University of Minnesota and you know we've had countless kind of experiences at this point where you know we'll go and give one of these community presentations um and i remember one time we were at the the hosmer library in south minneapolis which is very close to where george floyd was murdered and uh a, a young black woman at the end kind of stood up and said that you know this is so useful because i've known something was up my whole life and everyone's been telling me i'm crazy and you know this provides this actionable data that verifies my lived experience and to be able to like produce something like that to have that kind of value um is a i just think a good thing uh, for scholarship to do and often a kind of thing that a lot of more traditional scholarship just doesn't necessarily engage with in that way we're like you know that sort of um you know support isn't the point you know that might be kind of this accidental side effect um, but i think what mapping prejudice has, has found and what really kind of keeps us going at this point is being intentional about that process. You know, it's not just about kind of this final end input that's going to kind of resource in very particular ways, like intimately related research, you know, that the act of doing this, the act of participating in this, of reading these covenants and producing this map is transformative in and of itself. Um, and has value again, you know, to a lot of folks who normally aren't able to you know, leverage or access like the vast, you know, resources that we have at the, you know, a land grant university, like the University of of Minnesota. So being able to kind of get out there, co-create some of the scholarship, and it's been really exciting and, and rewarding part of our work.
0: Good news is that Mapping Prejudice can use your help. You can be part of the crowdsourcing community effort to build the project. Kevin talked about how you can look for the project on zooniverse.org to keep identifying and locating more of these racial covenants.
1: So for our project, kind of specifically, uh, if you go to our website, uh, there's a tab at the top that says get involved, and that will take you to um, our Zooniverse portal, which is an online crowdsourcing platform developed uh, at the University of Minnesota in conjunction with Oxford. I think you, a few other institutions have been kind of had their hands in it. Um, That's essentially how we are compiling the data of where these covenants are. So we use optimal character recognition to flag deeds that likely contain racial language, but we need volunteers to read those deeds um, and transcribe the relevant sections, particularly uh, like the language of the racial covenant itself, the spatial information. So what's the block number? What's the lot number? What's the addition name? Um, those answers are then exported. We do a bunch of kind of beta cleaning stuff in the background, and that allows us to map the location of these covenants. So that's kind of the most immediate, direct way uh, to get involved with uh, mapping prejudice um, specifically. And on our uh, website as well, there's a whole kind of resources tab, too, that has a bunch of additional kind of information about what we're uh, about what we're
0: At the end of our conversation, I asked Kevin and Kate to draw on their work to share a brief message that they wish would really take off. Kevin talked about accountability to communities as an important dimension of our engaged university research.
1: What are the ways that the knowledge production process can be transformed when it's accountable to something other than like your immediate group of experts? And so much research is formulated by, okay, here's You know, the secondary scholarship in this particular subset, how can I make an intervention into that? And when you start from that point, you're just restraining kinds of questions that you can even ask. Um, You know, that's a real like hard bounding box and some of the most exciting and rewarding parts of, you know, mapping prejudice and also the parts of, you know, create that I've been involved with have been when there's kind of this iterative back and forth where you come up with these ideas and then bounce these off, you know, your community, your research partners your whatever and then like that changes the trajectory and puts in more you know interesting directions um, i can speak directly to mapping prejudice initially we just wanted to find some racial covenants so you know we could make an intervention in the literature around the ways that you know race was been produced in minneapolis and we didn't actually have to map every single covenant in order to do that uh the reason was to do that is because that's what community members wanted that's what the folks who were living in these neighborhoods wanted they wanted to know like you know i grew up in near north minneapolis How does this specifically shape the built environment of the specific founded community in which I grew up in? Um, And that caused us to kind of go down this completely different tack where we're like, all right, let's use OCR and GIS and crowdsourcing. And like, can we do what nobody else has done before, which is map all of the covenants in the city? coming strictly from a research perspective, like you don't need to map all the covenants in a city to say something about the role that covenants play in shaping like urban geography. Like you can do representative sampling. I mean, historians, geographers, sociologists, they've been doing that for decades, right? Like you don't need to map every single racial covenant, but because we were accountable to these community groups, like yeah, we did actually have to map every single covenant and that proved to create a much more powerful, engaging, and useful project um, than if we had just kind of come from the beginning. So this idea of like accountability beyond, again, you know, the immediate experts in your field are accountable to something other than you know the epistemologies of kind of that particular slice of research. Um, to Kate's point, it has the potential to the unlock these you know new trajectories that are you know interesting, like they have like you know academic and intellectual merit, but also can help the people and resource the people that have been for so long kind of kept out, um, kept out of that process.
0: Hey everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Naturalist. Huge thanks for listening to Kevin in this part one of our two-part podcast. Visit www.mappingprejudice.org to check out the Mapping Prejudice project and search for at Mapping Prejudice to follow the project on Facebook. I also hope you'll stay tuned for our follow-up conversation with Kate in a few weeks about the CREATE initiative. This episode was recorded over Zoom from our homes during the coronavirus pandemic in 2020. We hope you enjoyed the opportunity for some advanced training during your daily walk, while gardening, or while sitting at your desk. Give us a thumbs up or drop a comment to let us know you value the podcast. Pass it along to others. In the meantime, we look forward to sharing another episode soon. Stay safe, be healthy, and we hope you enjoy Nature in Place. Hey, I have a final note to share this week. Did you know the Minnesota Master Naturalist Volunteer Program turns 15 years old this year? This month! For 15 years, we've been connecting our mighty team of 1,800 volunteers to local natural resources education, service, and citizen science projects across Minnesota. We're celebrating this milestone for the next two months through November 26th. If you'd like to help us celebrate, we invite you to make a gift to support a program that you love. Donors provide scholarships for new volunteers, invite expert speakers, expand our National Public Lands Day events, and explore new ways to get people outside. Whether you've been with us for 15 years or if you are just starting, we look forward to celebrating this milestone with you. To make a gift online, visit z.umn.edu forward slash mnatgive. That is capital M, capital N, at give.